Moms Unscripted is a production of Mops International. If you'd like to find a group near you, go to mops.org forward slash group search. If you'd like to start a group, go to mops.org forward slash start a group. Well, friends, we're back. The gang's all here. Season three of Moms Unscripted is officially underway, and we could not be more excited to welcome you back to the table for some real talk about life, relationships, mothering, and so much more. And we have an amazing lineup of guests and topics for you this season, and we're kicking it off with a major bang. Today, we get to welcome Shauna Nequist to the show. She's a longtime friend and voice that so many of us have cherished over the years through her soulful writing and delighted way of seeing the world. And now today, Shauna joins us to talk about a new chapter in her life, one that brought with it change on every front. Just after her 40th birthday, Shauna found herself in a season of chaos, change, and loss unlike anything she'd experienced. She discovered that many of the beliefs and practices that had been useful to her up until that point no longer worked. And after trying and failing to pull herself up using the same old tools, she realized she required new ones, courage, curiosity, compassion, and self-compassion. In her new book, I guess I haven't learned that yet, Shauna writes about the challenges and delights of a move from the Midwest to Manhattan and also the challenges and delights of releasing our expectations for how we thought our lives would look. And so today we're going to be talking with Shauna about what happens when it all changes and how we learn to be a beginner all over again. Shauna Nequist is a New York Times bestselling author of Cold Tangerines, Bittersweet, Bread and Wine, Savor, Present Over Perfect, and now I guess I haven't learned that yet. She's married to Aaron, and they live in New York with their sons, Henry and Mac. And Shauna is a bookworm, a storyteller, and a passionate gatherer of people, especially around the table. All right, Shauna, well, to start, will you tell us a little bit about this beautiful phrase, I guess I haven't learned that yet, which is also the title of your new book. But where did that come from? So we moved uh, like three years ago. We moved from suburban Chicago. Um, We are lifelong Midwesterners. We had been in Chicago and Michigan um, forever. Um, And then three years ago, we moved to Manhattan. We'd never lived in a city before. We'd never lived on the East Coast before. We'd never lived in an apartment before. And um, it was something that the four of us uh, were really excited about. There were different things that drew each of us to the city. And it was really fun. And also, about six weeks after we moved... Our kids were coming home from their new schools with more and more questions. And this is what happened. They shifted from questions like, why do they do it this way? And how do we do this? To, am I falling behind? Have I made too many mistakes? Am Mm. I dumb? And when I heard Mm. that second category Mm. of questions, Mm -hmm. I was like, hold on. We need a new perspective to help us through what we're experiencing right now. And so I wrote that phrase, I guess I haven't learned that yet, on a piece of printer paper, and I taped it up on our blank wall with blue painter's tape, and I said, at the end of the day, every day, we're going to go around and we're going to talk about how each one of us said that today. It's a goal. It's not an apology. It's a goal. I guess I haven't learned that yet because we're not falling behind We're not failing. We're new. And this is what it means to be a beginner. You shouldn't already know. This is how you get to know Mm -hmm. something. And so that phrase became a really meaningful one for our family. But like almost everything I've ever tried to introduce to my family, it ended up being way more for me. (laughs) I was a, a mom in her 40s, um, having left my hometown and a really, um, 
kind of deep sense of history and rootedness. And all of a sudden, I didn't know how to get groceries. I didn't know how to get our laundry done. I had like three friends that I sort of knew, kind of. I was trying to get my kids going in new schools. And that phrase allowed me the freedom to be a learner, to be curious, to ask for help. It allowed me to be compassionate with myself, to say, I shouldn't already know how to do this. If I already knew how to, you know, if I'd already lived mm-hmm, here, I'd already know, mm-hmm. but I'm new. And so getting to be a beginner and that phrase gave me the freedom to be curious and to be a learner again. And I found that it it um, kind of reached out from the moving experience to all sorts of other things in friendships, in marriage, in parenting, in my writing life. To get to be a question asker and a curious person brought a lot of new perspective to my life. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love that that phrase not only implies freedom, but also some self-forgiveness and letting ourselves off the hook for things that we haven't mastered yet. And as you know, and I experience this so often in my own life, I think moms especially walk around with a lot of things that they have refused to forgive themselves for. Mm -hmm. And so do you think you're more able to forgive yourself these days? And what has that process of self-forgiveness looked like for you and in your life and in this transition? Absolutely. Um, I have learned to forgive myself more quickly and more often. Mm. And um, I wish I had been able to do that earlier, Mm. but I'm just getting the hang of it now, which is true for so many of us. And, you know, when I look at parenting, I have a friend named Casey, and she's one of the best moms I know. But when anyone asks her a parenting question, the first thing she says is, okay, hang on. I need to tell you that I know absolutely everything, everything about parenting this particular child Mm -hmm. till the exact age that he is right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about anybody else's kid, and I don't know what kind of kid he's going to be tomorrow. My entire base of experience is with this son and this daughter to the exact day that they have existed on the planet until now. And it's so easy to put pressure on ourselves to know how it would work in a different family or how it will work five years from now or what the best thing is for everyone. We just only know the kids in our own home and Mm -hmm. only up until the people they've become so far. Mm -hmm. And so I think parenting is an opportunity every day to be a learner and to be curious and to be compassionate for the things we haven't figured out and they haven't figured out Mm -hmm. up until this point. One of my favorite um, chapters, Shauna, in the book is called Hello to Hear. And it speaks to what you're talking about, you know, not forecasting ahead to who these people around us are going to become, to who we're going to become, but to be uh, where our feet are in our own lives, right? And I personally struggle with this. I'm sort of always tempted to believe that my best life is out there. And if I can like do the exact right Google search, that it will elicit like the perfect system and the perfect strategy for me to retroactively solve every problem in my life. And so I am learn I learned this every single week, this hello to here. And I want to just read uh, um, one short little bit of it and then have you just talk about this same idea of hello to here. Um, a wise friend of mine says that true spiritual maturity is nothing more and nothing less than consenting to reality. Hello to hear, not what you wanted or longed for or lost, not what you hope for or imagine. Reality, this here, this now. I, that speaks to me. Can you just talk a little bit about how that kind of mantra or that idea of saying hello to hear is with you now and has been with you? 
you know, I think especially when you're in a difficult season or a season of transition, it's very easy to be um, really nostalgic about the past or to romanticize how amazing Mm -hmm. things used to be. And it's really easy to invest yourself in some sort of imaginary future that's just going to be, you know, magical. And and then what you end end up with is just like, except for this part that I actually am living in, this is the bad part. Right. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> but this part, this right here yeah. part is the only part we get to experience, mm. right? The rest is just memory or fantasy. This mm. is the life we get to live. These are the choices we get to make, The um, our opportunities to make a difference in the world or to affect another person or to help another person. They only happen in our present. And so our ability to embrace what is as opposed to kind of um, being obsessed with what was or what could be, that's sort of the ballgame for how to move forward, at least for me. Hello to here, what's here right now in the present, and how can I engage with that? And I think one of the things Mm -hmm. that you have to focus on is really how are you constantly learning in the Mm -hmm. midst of all of that? Mm -hmm. Clearly with your transition, you had to do an intentional focus on the, you know what, this is what we're going to learn. And I love the intentionality of even sticking it on the board for your whole family and saying, you know what, this is actually our family focus. So I have a two-parter. Can you talk about why is it so hard for us to be okay with being a beginner and learning? And then also what was the one thing that surprised you in your move to Manhattan? Like what was the one thing that you're like, I can't believe I didn't know this. Are you kidding me? Those are great questions. Um, Let's see. You know, I think there's some myths or beliefs that as a culture that we kind of all engage in together. And one of them is that um, it's better to be an expert. It's better to have answers. Answers are better Mm -hmm. than questions. Certainty is better than curiosity. The more you know, the more you have to offer. Those are some kind of prevailing myths in our culture, right? We think of the older you get, the more you know, um, the more you read, the more accomplished you are. We should have answers, right? Um, And I think there's something really, again, freeing and life-giving about saying, that might not be the most valuable metric. Mm -hmm. How much I know, how much information I have, how few mistakes I've made, those might not be the only valuable metrics for a meaningful life. Maybe it's how many people I asked for help, how many places I looked for wisdom, how many times Mm -hmm. I got up and tried again, Mm -hmm. how many shoulders I offered when someone needed to cry on them, right? There are all different ways to measure a person or a life. And I think the expert position is overrated. Mm. Um, and then in terms of what surprised me about New York, a million things. Um, well, so here's one. People, I, I think, oftentimes think of New Yorkers as not particularly friendly. And I understand that, especially because I'm a Midwesterner and like in the Midwest, you know, you like if you're going to connect with someone, it's like extremely relational. It takes a very long time, right? Like you're going to sit down together. You're going to talk. Do we have any mutual friends? What are you doing for the holidays? Do we um, root for the same sports teams? Blah, blah, blah. Very connecty based, right? In New York, it's very fast and it's very Mm -hmm. loud Mm -hmm. and it sounds kind of mean. 
you know, and so like um, I noticed that I, I think my personal moment of becoming a New Yorker was when we live in this extremely small apartment and there's like a lot of bodies in it. And I remember walking up behind one of my kids and just saying, move your body. And I was like, oh, I think I'll be part of New Yorker. <laughs> there it was. That because moment. I think my Midwestern mom would have, self, would have been like, hey, pumpkin, I'm going to need you to scooch over just a little. Just for a scooch. Second. You know, I was like one second from being like, beep, beep, get Move out of it. it. <laughs> so, but New Yorkers can be very brusque. They mm-hmm. can get uh, the minimum amount of words at a very high volume. And also, they will do anything to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere we've gone, all over the city, all different situations, it doesn't sound nice all the time, <laughs> but it's deeply, uh, people are willing to help you. They'll help your kids. They'll help you figure out where you're going. They'll help you figure out your problem. It sounds different to my Midwestern ears, mm-hmm. but they're some of the most deeply protective of one another people mm-hmm. I've ever encountered. So that's mm-hmm. something that surprised me. That's also. awesome. Um, I have I've been to New York a few times, but my very first time going, that's what I was warned of, that they are rude um, and and curt. But I experienced the opposite. Now, they're very like, you know, we, we were my daughter and I were on the subway and we were lost. And this person is helping us, you know, get get back on the right path. And I made I didn't make a mistake, but I was like, so where do you live? Where are you from? So have you been to? And they were like, Mm-mm, nope, gotta go. Too far. Hope, and then the last thing she said was, hope you don't get lost. And she just <laughs> like left. But she was very helpful. But she just didn't have time for all that chatting I was doing. That's exactly right. That no, that's it. That is a hundred percent New York. Oh, the answer to your question about where I live is nope. Yes, yes. And those are the drivers too. With you right now, we're getting you to your place. You know, quickly yeah. because I've got to pick up someone else. And I'm like, so you're not trying to kill me? Oh, okay. Those are you called healthy boundaries. Yeah. Is right. what she was yeah, right. doing. That New Yorkers are nothing if not people with healthy boundaries. <laughs> that is true. Um, Shauna, on oh, your Instagram, it. you shared a picture of your friend's hands making a piece of pottery and you talked about a pottery lesson that she gave you and how it definitely looks harder than it is um of course I'm thinking of ghost and Demi Moore and how beautiful (laughs) that was so it's it's not that but you also also talked about keeping a list of a few new things you wanted to try for the first time which is very brave um tell us a little bit about that well, you know, it was uh, interesting to me. So it was my first experience with pottery, um, and I had been very excited about it. And, um, of course, as, as is my personality, I don't think to myself, like, I don't know, maybe that's something I'd like to try. I think I'm going to make a set of dishes, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that's a like perfect place to start. Yeah. Right. Put my yeah. hands right. on this, and then pretty soon my cabinets are going to be full of beautiful dishes. <laughs> um, and so I – you know, had this great, she's teaching me and she's showing me. And if you've ever done anything with a, a, a potter's wheel, it is a hundred percent. One of those things where when she's doing it, it's like ghost. It's like, Oh, the, 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 the sides of the bowl just raise up perfectly. <laughs> like, you know? And so I'm watching her. I'm like, well, I got, I've got fingers. I can, I can do this. I can right. Do like, that. Yeah. And I'm watching her and I'm watching her. And then of course I do it. And I do it wrong 15 different ways. I didn't even, she didn't even do it wrong one way. And she just kept saying like, it's just time. It's mm-hmm. just time. Mm-hmm. And um, of course I expected that the end of, at the end of our one hour lesson, I would at least have like one beautiful little pot. And right at the, we, um, 
she's very nice and very thoughtful and very loving, but also just uh, did not indulge my fantasies at all and just put my <laughs> terrible little piece of soft clay right in back in the bin with all the other clay. And I was like, oh, that's my, you're right. You're right. You're right. That wasn't, that wasn't my piece. That was garbage. Um, so but it was so fun to just, um, I really am, like you mentioned, I really am looking for ways to learn new skills. This sounds so silly, but like something came up the other day. Anyone who knows me well knows that technology is not my strong suit. And the combination of technology and passwords is like my personal nightmare scenario. (laughs) So if at the last minute I have to do something with technology and I have to remember a password for it, I'm I'm going to cry like 100%. (laughs) If my husband's not home, like I don't even know what's going to happen. And last week, right at the last minute, there was a technology and password situation. Oh, and I no. felt it. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> <Felt laughs> and, and I said to myself, like, I, people do this. Other people can. I'm just going to, like, try. I'm going to try for 10 minutes. And then if I need to, like, start crying or call my husband, I can do that. But, like, what if I just tried? And miracle of miracles, I figured it out, but it took that just tiny little crack of mm-hmm, openness mm-hmm. inside me to say, like, what if I just tried? And I think I'm asking that in a million different areas of my life right now. Mm-hmm. What if I just oh, tried? Mm-hmm. I can get it wrong. Mm-hmm. I can just try again. I can ask for help, but I don't have to have so many rules about what I do and don't do and who I am and who I'm not. I could just try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in technology, I mean, <laughs> it, it can take you there. It can. Like lose your witness, say things internally or externally. <laughs> where you're like, I can't with this computer. I can't with this laptop. Well, or see, just I appreciate this because Man, we have I a lot of speakers the there. that make comments about the fact that we use Skype. For they this. really judge you about that. They man. do. I, I yeah. feel it's it's become a personal thing. Yeah. And they're just like, I haven't I haven't used this since 2005. Right. What, what, what do we do? I was like, it's just video conferencing, guys. <laughs> I understand you probably had to make a new password. You probably had to click the forgot the password thing, but at least they try. So I appreciate that, Sean. Thank you for thank you for trying. That's good. You're, you're I have this one that's like that. It's that I've been saying to myself recently. This doesn't have to be stressful. Ooh, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's like I, I'm having to do something. Mm-hmm. I can feel myself starting to sweat. It's like my back is. I mean, even to you just telling the story about technology and passwords, <laughs> I, my back is sweating. But it's like, and I have to tell myself this doesn't have to be stressful. Like I actually get to make a choice in this moment. And it's, mm-hmm. it also speaks to like our knee jerk reactions about certain things. And it's good every once in a while to slow down and say, I could put a new groove in my brain. I could start mm-hmm. a new pathway. Mm-hmm. Shauna, one thing you said earlier that I want to go back to is, you know, um, I think I'm sure it's our culture of, of wanting to learn from the experts, but I appreciate the ones that also tell you about, their 9,000 mistakes Mm -hmm. before they got to that, before they parented well, not perfect, or before they, you know, learned whatever skill that they're just at least at a decent, a decent level at. But I I appreciate that. And I do think we, we, we make things hard for ourselves when we don't have to. I think it's really important to, and I think that's some of why like truth telling and storytelling and Mm -hmm. connection matters so much Mm -hmm. because I always, this is such a silly little thing, but it just popped into my mind. I I always assume like just my, my default position is that everyone else has nailed this Mm -hmm. and I'm the one Mm -hmm. who hasn't. Mm -hmm. So one of our kids, I won't name his name, but he is messy. Like 
like as though it's Mardi Gras and he's throwing <laughs> beads, but it's just his stuff in our home every day. It's just, I don't even understand that like, everything has a place, but things can't get to their places. And it's, I mean, I, we wonder like, is it a, I, 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 there's no way to mm-hmm, explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a friend stopped over for something the other day and she was telling me about her son, who is the exact same age. And how messy he is and how she, something funny, like she found all of his clothes stuffed into his desk drawers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I have one of those. I have one of those messy children. That is my messy child also. And it was such a small thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime we admit, yes. again, n- that's not like my deepest, darkest secret. That's mm-hmm. not like, guys, mm-hmm. I have to tell you I have a messy kid. It's just all throughout the day, it's so it feels very natural to assume you're the only one for whom anything's less than like 100%. And the more you connect, the more you talk with people, the more you talk about parenting, the more you talk about life or Mm -hmm. partnership or marriage, the more you realize we're all just figuring this out together. And I think that's Mm -hmm. some of why connection and conversation and sharing the little bits of each other's lives and being in each other's homes even Mm -hmm. really matters so much so Mm -hmm. that we don't get to assume anymore that we're the only ones because we almost never are. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's so good. It's a good segue. We are, um, our theme for our organization this year, Shauna, is we go together, we go Mm -hmm. together. And so it's a great segue of the importance of community all the time but particularly in times of transition, particularly in times where we're feeling like it's just me. So talk about a lo- like how community has sustained you in this transition, how community has been with you in harder and darker days and uh, just the value of that. And maybe even also advice to a mom right now who's feeling kind of isolated. Yeah. So, you know, a couple things I would say, it's really okay for the way that you kind of map out your relational world, it's okay for that to change in different seasons. Um, mm-hmm. I was in a season for many, many years where I had a, like, it was a pretty wide social circle that that we kind of, um, we gathered people together a lot. We did a lot of events in our house, a lot of big events. We did a lot, and it was people I'd known for a long time. So there's a sense of like deep history and kind of a wide circle of people. And then we moved to a city where we only knew a handful of people. And then there was a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so that big, wide, extremely deep, like that was just gone. But you don't need that for every season. You always need somebody, but it doesn't need to be like um, a stadium full of people. Right. Um, to have two or three people that you can connect with on an ongoing basis, you don't always need more than that, but you do need that. And I would say, if you're a person who has the tendency to isolate in pain, which I 100% am, um, you don't have to set yourself up for like, well, I'm in a lot of pain. This is hard. I guess now I have to throw a party for my 75 closest friends. Absolutely not. <laughs> you don't have to do that. You have to send one text every day to somebody that you trust because they probably need to hear from you as much as you need to hear from them. Mm. And so my circle got way, 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 way smaller, Mm -hmm. like most of ours did in the last couple Mm of years. And that's okay. And it doesn't have to be enormous in every season, but there has to be someone who's hearing from you regularly, someone who's seeing your face, hearing your voice, again, because you need them and they also need you. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. You are such a gifted um, writer in that you paint 
beautiful pictures and you make connections that so many of us don't see. And in one of the final chapters of your book, you talk about the nautical flags and specifically the nautical flag for yes. And you say that the same flag also means yes and the course has changed. And um, it reminded Mm -hmm. me of a famous story about the psychoanalyst Young and one of his students came to him and asked him, um, could you please tell me the shortest distance to my life goal? And without even missing a beat, Young says the detour. And so I'm curious if you could just share a little bit about how detours can be a gift in our life. I love that. I love that idea. And I also, you know, I really, uh, it's really easy to say like, you know, it's, it's, it's when you're forged in the fire, there's like a million cliches, (laughs) Right. right? About how like we're supposed to love it. And it's, it's the, it's the twists that make it worth the journey. Like all the things that you could see on like a handwritten plaque. Um, I am not, I I would never say like, I'm so grateful for these things that have happened. Mm -hmm. I'm not grateful for them. Mm -hmm. However, I know that life shapes us Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for the shaping and I'm grateful to be the person I have become on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, I want to be really careful with that language. Um, Many years ago, and you guys know this, and we've talked about this, I had um, multiple miscarriages and a long season of infertility. And during that season, people said to me the most horrible things that they thought were helpful. Mm. Like, you know, um, things like, you know, obviously, uh, it just wasn't the best time for you to have a baby. Like, oh, really? Do you know the best time for me to have a baby? Do you want to be in charge of my fertility? Like, just... People, um, they say things, they try to find meaning Mm -hmm. in something that you don't necessarily yet or ever want to be able to put meaning around. This is awful, is Mm -hmm. what happened. This is a terrible thing, is what happened, period. And also, pain shapes us, and pain is always an invitation for us to become more empathetic, more compassionate, wiser, freer, less attached to outcomes, more able to connect with people who've been through similar things. And so we're not grateful for it, but we're grateful for what it does in us. And we all have those opportunities to become more than we've been because of what we've had to walk through. Yep. I can relate a little bit to your move as far as um, you going from Manhattan. We you said Mardi Gras and I immediately perked up because I'm from Louisiana. So I was like, oh, oh. Uh, fond memories of getting things thrown at me and hoping I catch them. <laughs> uh, but definitely when we moved to Colorado a few years ago, it was a pretty big detour. And there was definitely some learning to be had in that for us moving away. One of the things that was interesting to me is I had a friend that came. Um, he visited from Louisiana, his whole family. And something he said to me kind of stuck with me. He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but you have become much kinder than you were. Interesting. And it really, it really sat with me. And I, that was kind of one of those moments where I realized that this transition, this detour has really affected me as a person and made me a better person. And so kind of trying to backtrack, what does that really, uh, what does that really mean? And what were some of the things that I did? And so I was curious from a practical standpoint, what are some of the things that you either did or learned during this big detour for you? Well, I think I've become better at recognizing what other people have carried or have been carrying all along. Mm -hmm. So like I would imagine for you, Matt, when you, now that you've been through a big move, 
When someone says, hey, I'm new in town, you feel what they're mm-hmm. feeling in a way you may not have if you had been in your hometown your whole life, right? right, right. You, you clue in a little bit like, hey, uh, do you need like a recommendation for anything or could I help with this or right there when you've been through something, it tenderizes you to what someone else might be going through. Uh, many years ago, we moved to a town and it was an unusually hard move. And I realized kind of after the fact, after we had gotten settled there, it was because it was a town where most people had lived all their lives. And so they didn't know what it felt like to be new in town. And that's not wrong. They're wonderful people. But if you don't know that feeling, you're not always great at tending to other people who are experiencing that. Whereas New York, almost nobody has lived here forever. Mm. Everybody knows what it's like to be new in town. And so people are really great at like, hey, can I help you with this? Do you know how to do this? Have you figured this out yet? I've got a key for this or whatever. And I think that metaphor extends to all of life. When someone starts telling you a story, if you've been through a handful of really hard things, you pick up on new things now. You're like, oh, mm. oh, I heard what you said there. And I understand what's underneath that. And it tenderizes us to one another. And I think that's when you're talking about someone experiencing you as kinder. That's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. You go through something difficult and it tenderizes you instead of making you more brittle, more mm-hmm. afraid, more scared. It makes you more tender and more empathetic. I think that's the goal. Shauna, I talking about learning new things. Anyone who knows me, this this group is probably tired of me talking about it, but I don't care. I um, <laughs> learned how to play the drums over the pandemic. Really, I love right? that, and right? she's incredible, like really yeah. gifted. Performed Thank on the live you. stage already. Yes. With oh my gosh! Yeah. Thanks, guys. So my goal one day, <laughs> tell me if you think this is okay, is to play at Madison Square Garden. I, mean, it's, it's, I feel like you paused, Jenna, because you haven't heard yeah, me yet. She really did, Janelle. She got totally paused. <laughs> and the face I'm getting is like, uh, in editing, I, I will extend you, that pause. And you've only been am, playing for three years. I am years. into that. I love that idea. <laughs> I Go big. absolutely love that idea. I say yes to that. Oh my gosh, yes. it brings me such joy. You have no idea. My husband is a drummer. He's a master drummer, and he is lit just over it. He's not over it. He's just like this. <laughs> is what my parents went through when I would pull out pots and pans and just start beating things. And I'm like, I feel like I you mean, should I have did, a little bit more grace for me. That's what that you heard in your head was me beating like <laughs> pots and pans. And <laughs> I was, I was thinking to myself, uh, pandemic and drums. I was doing that math of like, for visualization. Uh, nice your loved ones yes. really, I mean, I just like baked, made a lot of lasagna, uh, which is quieter than learning to play the drums. Oh, um, and I learned on a real. I, I love drums. Obviously, I am. I'm married to a musician, That's and my right. kids are musical, and so That's I'm right. around musicians all the time. But um, <laughs> yeah, maybe Erin Nikos wants to give you your big break. That's right. You never know. I never know. So I never just know. laying the, connections. Laying the and Madison Square Gardens is walking distance from our apartment. Seriously. So hey. And no, they don't let me know when you're going to be there. I'll just like pop right up. <laughs> just pop right over. Um, <laughs> pop right up. Eight. You write that one it. of your goals, which I love, is to be a person who is easily delighted. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that so important to you? Which, by the way, you are a, a delight. Completely. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Why Thank that, you. Why is I, that so important to you? You know, I think uh, it's easy to think like, well, all I need to be really happy is just this to go right and this to go right and these five other things and nothing to be hard and nothing to hurt. And and then I'd just be like the happiest person ever, right? (laughs) That's easy. Of course you would. We all would, right? Um, It's easy to be happy on vacation. It's easy to be happy when you're in love. It's easy to be happy when, right? 
those are the easy times. Those are also the exceptions to most of our experience. Mm. Most of our lives is lived in the Mm in-between of normal daily life. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to wait for delight. I don't want to have to have everything all lined up and perfect and save myself for one moment in the future where I get to be thoroughly delighted. I want to live in such a way that a good book and it being warm enough to be outside and have bare feet is just mm-hmm. enough to send yeah. me over the moon. Yeah. I want blackberries and um, a song that I love coming on in the drugstore to just bring my heart like almost to bursting. Mm-hmm. If you can train yourself to be a person who's easily delighted, who's always on the lookout for beauty, for hope, for joy, for silliness, because what you look for is what you find, right? Like everybody knows a person who finds the worst in every situation, mm-hmm. right? I used to actually, I used to have a friend like this. She was like, what I do is I walk into a room and I can just see what's wrong. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh wow. I, I don't want to be around her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is not fun for me. <laughs> You're a treat. Right. Um, <laughs> I want to be, I really want to be the other, uh, the the fundamentally opposite kind of person. I want to walk into a room and see what's beautiful mm-hmm. and see what could be and see what is just like a little off and quirky, but makes you smile. And that never means ignoring what's wrong. Most of us have no trouble seeing what's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about having blinders on. It's very obvious what's wrong when you're yes. in pain, when yeah. you're hurting, you don't ever forget about that yes. for a second. Mm-hmm. But if you can train your eyes to be on the hunt for what's good, what's silly, what's beautiful, what's alive, what's growing, the world becomes a much brighter place to live in. And I'm really, really committed to that as like a a deep spiritual discipline. So Shauna, you've walked into this one. What is your drugstore song? Oh, Oh, I know this. It's so fun. I'm so glad you asked me. Well, and this is going to, maybe, maybe now I'm a New Yorker. Um, our Rite Aid on the corner. There's a Rite Aid just diagonal oh. from us. And it was our it was our home away from home. It was the first store that our little guy was allowed to go to by himself. Um, I can tell you every grocery item that they sell so that I don't have to go to the actual grocery store, right. but that I can buy it from Rite Aid. Like we, if, if it can be purchased, I have bought it at Rite Aid in the last <laughs> three years. And then it closed. And no. you guys, it's really sad. And we have a CVS, but it's one block further away. And I don't like it. Right. Um, not coping well. And <laughs> so we were there, I don't remember, last summer or something. And they played a song. in, And I was in the checkout line. And I was like, I don't know what's happening musically right now. But I am. this is bringing me great joy. And so I went home and looked it up. And it's the Robin song, Dancing by Myself. But it's a cover by an Irish man, and maybe his name is Callum Scott, but I always call him Colin McCann, who is a novelist and did not sing this song. (laughs) (laughs) And I love this song so much, and I want you to listen to it. And it is forever and ever my ode to Rite Aid. May she rest in peace. (laughs) Totally going to look that up. What's in the Rite Aid building now? Good. Has something nothing? Oh, oh no, and nothing. And and we all are extremely invested in what's going to go in right? there. And we all have yeah, different sure. theories. And so, like, the moms are all like, it "Has to be a Trader Joe's." Tell me, absolutely, it's really, obviously, absolutely. It's all I want in my life. <laughs> and we were walking by, and our kids were like, "You know what I think's going in?" We were like, "What?" They were like, "Laser tag." And we were like, <laughs> like, "No, shut your mouth." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't need that close yeah. to the house. 
will laser tag make my daily errands easier it will not it will not it's gonna end up being a dentist's office or like it is i think completely boring insurance something yeah oh it's so good well to wrap up shonda one of our favorite questions to ask all of our guests is what is motherhood teaching you right now oh you know i know this one right away um so our boys are 10 and 15 we live in an 800 square foot apartment. So we are like just <laughs> all up in each other's business all the time. And I feel like I did, um, I have heard people say forever and ever how hard parenting is. And it is. And I've heard people say how hard mothering is. And it is. And also, I remember when Aaron and I first got married, I remember this like amazing moment where I was like, my favorite person lives in my house. How did this happen mm. to me? This is so great. And um, now my two other favorite people live in my house. They are funny and fun and they teach me so much and they bring so much to my life. And there's like a whole world of things I would never have experienced without them. And if we stay in on a Friday night, I'm with my three favorite people on earth. And I don't think we talk enough about that. Again, Mm -hmm. I I know it's hard. It's hard in all different ways, in Mm -hmm. all different scenarios. And also, it's a joy. Mm-hmm. These people are just kooky, interesting, smart, funny, delightful people. And I would choose to spend time with my two sons more than anybody else on earth. And I think that's worth saying, too, that it's a joy. So good. Yes. It's so true. It's beautiful. As we head into our day and our week, let's remember what Shauna taught us. Being a beginner is an inevitable part of being human. And it's brave to whisper to ourselves as we begin again, I guess I haven't learned that yet. See you next time. Hey friends, thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash Moms Unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another unscripted conversation around the Mops table.